Hutchins Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Hutchins Podcast. I'm Raf and I'll be joined with Casper, Josh and Alexander. Today's podcast will be focusing on the environment. Today I'll be joined with Mrs. Anne Mather, Mr. Anthony Highland and our special guest, Mr. Costa Georgiatis. Hutchins Podcast. So I'm with Mr. Anthony Highland and Mrs. Anne Mather in the studio. What are some sustainable systems at other schools you've seen and maybe should be introduced to Hutchins? I've seen a compost, uh, a worm farm made from a, a recycled um, bath from the tip shop. Wow. And there were little um, bins in every classroom where you'd put your organic waste. So organic waste would then go to a central bin and there would be a student group in charge of environmental, well, sustainability. And they would then take that to the tip shop bought bath, which was the worm farm, which I thought was really simple and it was all recycled. And as well as then they could sell the worm juice. Um, So it was a little sort of money-making thing, but it also just created a, a sort of visible symbol in classrooms that we we cared. Yeah. So was this student run? Yes, totally student run. The creation of the worm farm was student run and the collection of the organic matter was student run. And I think they were also learning in class about landfill Mm. and the importance of not throwing food scraps. They'd done a survey. They'd actually surveyed the bins, done an audit of all bins to work out what was thrown out the most. And it was fruit and veg. So all those carrot sticks that I have spent decades <laughs> cutting up were getting thrown out. So at least the worms <laughs> breathed a new yeah, life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The revival. Of course, the school's been involved in the Climate Change Forum and I think they titled it slightly different last year. But uh, So luckily this year I was alongside uh, some of our student representatives throughout junior through to uh, our year 12 students and that gave us a really good develop our awareness of what was happening in a lot of other schools who participated in that forum. Some things that there's a lot of things that we sort of experimented with, played around with over a number of probably the last 10 years. Some things are still in place and other things are sort of just mm. petered off because time management and mm-hmm. if there's only certain people who do it, then like myself, they get a little bit tired if you don't have the support. But moving forward, um, like one of the things I really like, St Mary's, for example, St Mary's College, within their canteen, they've certainly adopted the FOGO bin uh, mm-hmm. thing that um, the Hobart City Council has got going, but is that apart from introducing packaging that can be put directly into composting, they use cutlery and they use plates, et cetera, so the students actually pay a, a levy to use cutlery and they can clean it. So it's in their uh, student areas. And so it's removing packaging from the word go. So we're not worrying about having to compost or trying to order in uh, particular materials that are going to be be able to break down. We're actually reducing that waste coming into the school in the first place, or that's what they've been doing it. And I think Farn's done something like that too. So so that's one of those key things that really comes to mind. Hewenville Primary School, they won um, an award uh, through the Emirates. uh, It was named after the king one of the old kings there, I can't remember now, but basically uh, they developed an energy hub a number of years ago now and so that was really quite inspirational. And, yeah, so Lansdowne Crescent Primary School, they're always getting out of there. They were just on the news the other night on how they're utilising the Fogo bin uh, to a greater extent. So lots of really interesting stuff happening in other schools, not just about waste management but uh, energy and, and really developing people's awareness of our ecosystems mm. too, like nature trails, animal audits, 
uh, as in wildlife audits within particular zones. So lots of really interesting stuff happening. Well, I think in some of the junior school classrooms, they've got like the general waste, they've got the, the yellow bin for like recycling and stuff, and then they've got the green one, which is for natural waste and stuff like that. Mm, we've got the yellow bins in middle school, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, so not being left out, we're, we're rolling this out incrementally. This year, uh, one of our senior prefects who took on the role, student committee, head of the sustainability committee, was successful in getting a grant from Keeping Australia Beautiful, Tasmania. And that was a $500 grant. And prior to that, um, a good two, three years ago, uh, Dr. Guess, who's on leave this year myself, we put together an audit and went and visited a lot of schools around the state uh, looking at how they waste manage better. And look, one of the schools that really very close to home friends, we really liked the system they had. They were developing or putting in place waste stations. So not dissimilar to what you see outside the school, but inside the school where they focused on recyclables, organic waste, and just general landfill waste and have those bins close together in, in high traffic areas or high volume areas where a lot of students might hang out and actually removing rubbish bins from all classrooms, from all staff offices, making people be more accountable for delivering their own waste to those waste stations. Mm-hmm. And that's something where if we're starting to roll out in the senior school. We're introducing the composting side of things. That's going to be tricky, but it's like anything. you just got to eat an elephant slowly. And <laughs> that's what we're rolling out in the senior school. And hopefully if it goes well there, then we'll start to roll it out throughout the middle school and, and more so in the uh, junior school. Junior school's already got some bins in place, as you've mentioned, Raf. Yeah. So are you worried about what would happen in the world in the future, to the world in the future? Look, I am worried, but as our role as educators, it, it's it's really our role to try and develop people's awareness, your people, you people, your age and younger and older, to, you know, we can all band together. And, and even if we just, you know, each person makes a small contribution. Again, if I use that elephant yeah. analogy, it's like mm-hmm. the pimples on an elephant's backside. There's a lot. And uh, so we, if we all act together, um, we can make a difference. Yeah. I know we've had a few conversations about this in Year 8 Project, Miss Mather. Yes. Well, my I'm a little positive about the future because of young people like yourselves who are so much more aware of the problems than I was at your age and our generation. And really, it's you guys who are leading this and that's lucky because you're so much more aware of the issues. I think that even though we like to think that young people consume lots, from from what I see, I don't think that you do. And in fact, it was Hobart College last year that had the um, worm farms and they also had this amazing day where they'd come in and swap clothes with their peers so they'd have clothes swap days. So they didn't (laughs) feel a great need to go out and buy the latest and the most, yeah. you know, expensive, they were happy to just swap each other's clothes. And that's <laughs> almost a fashion statement in itself, wearing yeah. recycled clothes. Yeah. And it's seen as the thing to do. Whereas when I was young, that was probably more looked down upon, whereas now it's more the norm. And I just see so much positive input from you guys that it does give me hope that yeah. you're so much more aware. Mm. And I, I feel like it doesn't take much. It just, everyone just needs to have that little bit to look towards the future and it can make a massive yeah. difference. Yeah. And that person personal responsibility, you know, like Ant was saying, thinking about what you put in a bin, it reminded me of interviewing Peter McGloin a couple of years ago where he's the head of the Tasmanian Conservation Trust Mm. and he had decided to not use his bin. You know, you were saying some schools got rid of bins and so he piled up in his bedroom anything that was an actual waste product. And he included in that recyclables because he doesn't really trust recycling. Mm, and I yeah. think that's a, 
probably a fair mistrust. So he would put in his bedroom anything that he really couldn't put into the garden and he had to sleep next to any beer bottle top or whatever it was he had consumed that didn't somehow break down in the earth. And that, I mean, that's extreme, but what a way of taking responsibility, personal responsibility. And I was just thinking when you were talking about you know, bins and not using them. Imagine if each of us had a daily sort of bin and you could see see it stockpiling. Wouldn't that (laughs) be great? Like a little sort of barometer literally of what we'd wasted or what Well, the the facility manager at Friends, what he did, um, he started off in the senior school there, he put little mini-me versions of wheelie bins on each of the staff members' desks and the idea was so you had this little bin that was, you know, about uh, 10 centimetres or not even that tall and he said, yep, that's your bin. So they, they had to really think about what they're going to do to the waste. <laughs> um, but look, I think for me, like we talk about waste, we talk about energy, uh, we talk about our, our ecological environment. Um, but really, to me, in what I've read, what I've seen in a lot of presentations, media over the years, waste is, is such an uh, intricate part of how we can look to looking after our environment more in the sense that the problem of waste is when you think about all the materials that makes up the waste, like your plastics, your papers and all those things. So that they've got to be taken away from our natural resources. And the problem is when you're using a lot of those are petrochemical based too. So there's a lot of energy also involved in actually creating these materials and and that's why it actually has it's not just that end of pipe product where I've got this waste what are we going to do it now but it's also the process is involved in producing that material too that actually causes a lot of harm to our planet and so for my my big image of this school and and like is really about how we go about procuring material and again let's stop it at the gate let's not worry about recycling I mean the idea were we wouldn't have recycling we wouldn't have waste stations we just wouldn't have to worry about it because we wouldn't have any waste in the first place that's a long way off but that's the vision I have okay and that's I think that's a vision what Hobart City Council has got too for example mm. and, yeah. and that's something to aspire to but you know that's what we re- we've got to really get smart on how we use our resources and the problem is that's driving all this is consumption us as human beings, we're, we're very much about, you know, consuming products. Interesting, my dear dad who passed away just last week, you know, I'm not looking forward to going underneath his garage. I mean, obviously for the emotional reasons, but oh my goodness, my brother and I, we're going we're gonna to be in there for months with all the stuff that's there because he was born in 1933. He was, so he was at the sort of the end, he was at the end of the, the depression when he was born. So that was pretty much things were coming right in the economy then. But he he was, his father and parents were of that generation, you don't throw anything away. And and that's the mindset my dad had. So all these things that he saw potential use for didn't throw away. So he had them all carefully catalogued, et cetera. And it's doing my head in, but, and I, I fear that I might turn into the same. So it's about you know, looking at that closed loop cycle, how can we use our resources that we've already got much better, much more efficiently without just putting them to landfill and letting them damage our environment through pollutions or pollutants in the ground and just be smarter. We're a really amazing race, human beings, but we, we've got lazy. In the last 40 years, we've become really lazy and mm. we, we need to yeah. get clever again. And that's what people during the Depression, they were really smart, but we just didn't appreciate that. So do you think there's a better way of handling rubbish at Hutchins? Pretty much what I said before was, is really the recruitment is let, let's stop it at the school gate. Let's really get the message out there that we don't want this packaging. We don't want mm. this waste coming yep. into the school. Nude lunch boxes. I know there have been yeah. a few initiatives in trying to get this up and going mm. with the nude lunches. So long as it's one of the 
schools. I've got four children, so we sort of go to lots of schools. <laughs> but my littlest is at a primary school where they have new lunch boxes, which is really good, except very occasionally I will buy something that comes in a package. So he'll have to take it out of the package before putting mm. it in his lunch box. So it's cheatable, which is bad. Just one more thing. <laughs> Just the other thing is that Hutchins has really uh, developed a fantastic initiative, and that's thanks to Mr Moore. Um, he's introduced agricultural studies this year, which uh, I really admire him for, and him and Keith, our, our tech aide, Keith Davis, they've done a lot of work with senior students this year in developing a small agricultural base mm. depot across the road and, and working on microgreens. And, and that is, again, another part of our sustainable education is, is developing that awareness and education how you can actually grow. It's really simple to grow your own produce. And if you listen to Costa, that's the best way to go about our general health and another way we yeah. can protect our planet. Yeah, I know. And like you said about St Mary's, but it seems like the canteen, I think, is a is a definitely a large source that we see a lot of um, plastics and lots of waste being consumed. But I am aware that we have moved to more biodegradable kind of packaging. We are getting there. Adam's done a great job in in what he's doing, but also a lot of that packaging you're seeing laying around plastic, that's coming in kids' school bags. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that the, the um, canteen has improved a lot because, like, the pasta and nachos and things like that used to come in plastic boxes where they're now, like, they're in... Cardboard, cardboard boxes, mm. yeah. I guess. It's really good to see because sometimes yeah. the so-called biodegradable plastic, so long as it's truly biodegradable, sometimes it just breaks down into microplastics, yeah. which is even more terrifying than a chunk of plastic. Mm. And, and that's where it's very deceiving because a lot of the stuff where we see the little triangle on the bottom of our packaging, yeah. you put it in the recycling at home and then you find out, like, oh, no, they actually don't recycle that. So it's problematic. It really is. Yeah. yeah, it's correct. And if I walk along the Oval probably right now at lunchtime, it's probably the peak period of droppings of plastic and mm. all sorts of rubbish. Not if I was on duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might have to have you on duty more often to yeah. stop this. Yeah. <laughs> But do you think maybe the solution is more bins or is it more spreading the message? No. No? Reduce the bins mm. and spread the message. Just keep on working on it. Got to chip away at it. Mm. Yeah, Got to exactly face our problems, Josh. not just chuck it in the bin. Okay. Mm. That sounds good. Thank you so much for your time, Mrs. Mather and Mr. Highland. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, boys. It's You're a doing a pleasure. great job. It's great. Thank you. Hutchins Podcast. And now we're joined with Costa Georgiatis, host of Gardening Australia with us via Zoom today. G'day, Costa. It's a pleasure, boys. So, Costa, what has gotten you into gardening? I suppose I grew up around it. That was a non-negotiable, really. My grandparents were the real engine room when it came to exposing me, and I suppose because my parents grew up with it, then they gave us that same sort of priority of interest and focus in the garden. And my grandfather was a market gardener, so going over to his place every visit was a wonderland of, of vegetables and <laughs> fruit. And my grandmother loved to grow as well. And they, they also grew flowers. They loved their flowers. Mm. They were so into flowers. And so in that sense, they were really sustainable and understanding of the, the role of pollinators and, and the role of biodiversity, even though, you know, they wouldn't have known those words and, and wouldn't have got it. But mm. Yeah, I think that's where that's where my foundations were laid. Yeah, okay. And so where were you where were you born? Give me a picture of your <laughs> rough life. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I was born in, in Sydney, in Darlinghurst at, at um, the St. Margaret's Hospital there. And then I grew up in Bondi. And then it was interesting because I, I took my my first steps on my godfather's farm out at 
mud, near Mudgee in a, in, a, in a place called Bylong, which is a stunning, oh, yeah. stunning valley mm. sort of just south of the, the Hunter sort of thing between the Hunter Valley and, and, and Mudgee and, oh, yeah. and the Blue Mountains yeah. and sort of around that area of uh, the, the Wollamai National Park and so on. So, so yeah, that, that, that was kind of the setting and, yeah, grew up, grew up here and lived here until I finished school and then I studied, I studied um, arts and then landscape architecture and, and then I took off and lived in Europe for the next chapter of my life. <laughs> Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That That's, sounds interesting. <laughs> it's awesome that you've got to see lots of different places yeah. and go experience lots and learn. Yeah, well, that's it. I, I wanted to do that because when I was in, well, pretty much around your stage, because you guys are year eight and year nine, yeah? Yes, yes we are. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, when I was in year nine, it might have been year nine or it was year eight, one of, one of the two, but about that, that stage, I had the chance to go on a trip to Greece with like 75 other um, <laughs> Greek Australian kids. Oh, wow. And wow. we had like a six-week tour and it was unbelievable. I think it was, it was formative in that sense that it, it really, really set me up for how I saw myself and where I fitted in and mm-hmm. what my Greek side of my life meant and how how I I wanted to go out and 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 live my life with that that knowledge that I had another layer to me and yeah that 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 sort of really lit the fuse so I kind of when I came back I said I want to travel the world when I finish but yeah. I'm going to get my studies behind me yeah so okay. that's what I did and then I took off once I once I graduated and um and that's when I lived in Europe for quite a long time. So you could say that that was the ignition, let's say, of um, the future. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. That, that, was, that was like one of those little sparks where you go, oh, okay, you know, my parents made me learn Greek. They made me sort of understand my background and be able to communicate in another language, and that inspired me to want to learn another language. So I did French at high school. Oh, wow through and then I did French for a year of arts at uni and mm-hmm. and that kind of language side of things was probably formative in the in the sense that I love communicating with people and you know when I did go and live in Europe I learned how to speak German I learned how to speak some basic Czech and um, wow. you know you put all that together and you can kind of hold a conversation with quite a few people. Mm. Wow. Yeah. How long were you living in Europe for? I was there probably I was away Non-stop for three years and then I, for the next three years, I kind of travelled backwards and forwards. Um, so I'd, I'd have um, summer here in Australia and then at the end of February I'd go to Europe. That's when the ground's starting to heat up and um, you can start to work outside again in the garden and I'd, I'd work, um, I was living and working in Austria and I'd, I'd work through till sort of the week or two before Christmas and then fly home. So I had a few years without winter which oh. is kind of oh wow kinda, so you're just going between summer to summer <laughs> yep just living pretty much <laughs> yeah, pretty much that sounds cool oh. what is your favorite part of gardening i suppose my favorite part of gardening would be the fact that when you start to do something you put a different clock on it's not an insta countdown it's it's not a facebook alert <laughs> or a notification it's just you go out there and you, you kind of operate on earth time yeah. and you lose that other yeah. metronome. That, lose, yeah, yeah. That sense. To do, it, 
Yeah. Like a getaway from everything. Sometimes yeah. it's just so tiring yeah. to always have time and a yeah. time limit and everything mm-hmm. and just get yeah. to. Yeah. I, even if I just go out there and say I'll go out there for five minutes, all of a sudden an hour can disappear. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of distorts, it distorts the normal clock and tends to win you time. And that's what I really like because that side of it becomes quite therapeutic. Yeah, you know? it does, 100%. And really chilled and and it, it relaxes you in a different way because it turns, you, turns you, your usual apps off yeah. <laughs> and, and it clears, it clears all the, 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 the battery draining and, and you actually refuel out there rather than sort of suddenly look and realise that there's 20 apps open on your phone and you wonder why you've got 1% left. Yeah. And you just go, oh, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you, you're finished. So, yeah. so, yeah, that's probably the bit that I like most. And then, of course, I mean, having chickens, worms, bees, <laughs> providing habitat for butterflies and birds and, you know, then interacting with nature and watching things grow and seeing them get a get a bud and then grow a flower and then the flower gets pollinated and it suddenly becomes a little vegetable that you just go, yeah. I don't know. I think each time you see it, there's kind of a it's not it's not old news. It's actually it's actually really, really uh really nice to see it. it yeah. It's yeah. Refreshing. Yeah, something special, I yeah. guess you could say. It'd also be really soothing, like just hearing the birds and the nice breeze on your back or yeah you know like if i'm out there and the chooks like i just got back um home not long ago and as soon as i closed the door to in inside the chooks heard me and so they're at the outside door going where the hell have you been where the hell have you been we're hungry we want this we want that and you know there they are just tapping at the back door i open the door and they're like oh it's good to see you what are you going for us so you know it's kind of nice to be uh you know, they're, 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 they're great pets. You know, they're like yeah. a puppy dog. They're, yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They may have intent. You know. <laughs> they know there's a feed in you, but uh, <laughs> you, look, you look through that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are some ways you think that schools could be more greener? That's a good question. I think there's lots of colours of, there's lots of shades of green. And, <laughs> and green isn't just planting. It's not just a veggie garden. It's not just growing produce or mm-hmm. fruit or, or something. I mean, green is, is, is an interesting word because it's, it's so polarised and it's been so politicised. You know, there's an entire green party. So yeah. that means <laughs> that if you mention that, then you're aligned with that. And whether that's good, bad or otherwise is not mm-hmm. the point. It's a canister. And yeah. so whether you say eco or green or environment or even sustainability, you know, all of these terms, they get hammered. They get yeah. they get washed in the washing machine and mm-hmm. suddenly people go, oh, yeah, you know, you're talking, you're on the sustainability bus or yeah. you're on the yeah. eco bus or whatever. So when I talk about green or when you, you ask me about, how, how can schools be more green? I think what's important to recognise is that everyone's at a point and it's, it's really valuable to bring people along rather than push them forward because, you know, you may have seen the light on an issue. The light bulb might have gone off and you're suddenly like, yes, I, we, we've got to stop putting food scraps in the bin, you know, mm-hmm. like that's just you know, creating so many problems and you go, yeah, well, that's good. But what I like to say is 
Now it's how you how you translate that into a shade of green that's appropriate for people to see. And unfortunately, I think it's so hard with schools with that that you have you have a small group of people that can be into this specific idea, let's say food scraps not going in the bin and they have to go to a particular other bin. It's hard to get, let's say, the whole part of that school to be on board with this idea yeah. because everybody has this kind of like, um, what's the word, maybe drive in them to just yeah. go to the standard general mm-hmm. rubbish bin instead of the yeah. special bin or whatever. Well, that's right. And I suppose this is where... Having worked recently with the Tasmanian Youth Climate Leaders Conference and, and you know, you had representatives there as well. And, yeah. I, I mean, it's, for me, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're events that really engage and excite me because what it's about is really nurturing the storytelling capacity because it's how you engage your peers. Yeah. And that's ultimately life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because whether it's business, whether it's the arts, whether communication is how you get an idea across. Are you using visual? Are you using sound uh, like with music? Are you, are you using still images? Are you using film? Are you using communication and words or invariably a mix of all of them? So getting green and becoming more green is about not only skilling up, but it's really bedded down in a capacity to create a narrative that engages now, like with Hutchins now, like 2020 November, not Not November 2016 or whatever. You know, you're now living in a new world and and this world has changed a lot since since I met some of your classes at at the conference last year and the year before. And, and, you know, this is what's really, for me, this is what's cool because it's how you guys and girls look at the story and go, well, how do I make people come on board? And so to do that, knowing your facts, being able to pull just a few facts and craft a story. And, you know, I mean, you're telling Insta stories all the time. You're telling, (laughs) you're telling a story on every type of social media platform. And that, that's, the, that's the art. It's, and I reckon you've all got it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, how, it's how you translate it yeah. to things by saying, right, I don't need to tell 15 facts. I just need one. Yeah, you need that key communication yeah. of drive that will yes. be One passed. fact. Yeah. Yeah. And if I get one fact through to people and they go, oh, and it becomes a little bit of a reminder. Yeah. And that's where there's so many different ways that you can do it. So I think networking in things like the Climate Leaders Conference and the Sustainable Schools Network and and all of that and seeing what other schools do and Mm -hmm. looking at your ideas and saying, all right, these guys have done that, these guys have done this, how can we make it appropriate for us? And, And remember, relevance, relevance to are you hitting the lower years or are you hitting the higher years? Yeah. And it may require tweaking. Yeah. And, and that's where you get this chance to go, hmm, who's our target audience? Yeah. What do we want to achieve? We're not trying to save the world in this one thing, but what we're trying to do is get one piece of awareness around separation. Bang, finish, tick the box, ooh, 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 and then the, the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I guess, the key domino effect of that. If you tell one person or one person gets the message across, then it's yeah. going to pass on to the next and yeah, like, flow on effect. Yeah, like a chain. Exactly. And 
One thing I think, you know, along the same answer to that, that question, it's about creating the mentors that will just be the beacons that are just doing stuff that are role modeling consistently. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's monitoring, it's monitoring. If it's educating, it's educating and being at a particular place to say to people, oh, make sure you do this or make sure you do that. But never underestimating that someone is always watching. And those eyes on you are eyes on your ethic. And then your ethic is bedded in and taken by mm -hmm. someone else. And that's what you want. It's not you pushing the bus. Mm -hmm. It's them walking with it. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. What's the most sustainable school you've ever been to or seen? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> this is probably like the hardest question we've ever come up with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Gee, it's like asking which is my favourite child. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't have any children, so yeah. <laughs> most sustainable school. Well, wow. maybe uh, to make it easier, maybe a very, very um, well done project or something, well achieved project mm -hmm. maybe at a particular yeah, yeah. school. Original yeah. kind of idea. I think one really original idea that I liked was from a, a school in Geelong who rather than have the token Mother's Day, Father's Day, bring in $5 and pick some $5 piece of trash that is going to be given to mum or dad and ultimately be like, oh, that's different and then be farmed out to someone else or into the recycle. I mean, maybe not that blatantly. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. predominantly $5 items. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No real significance yeah. and yeah. probably waste. They, they said, no, no, well, let's do something different. So what they did was they explored a question of possible um, species, threatened species in their area, threatened mm -hmm. plant species, and they spoke to their local land care. They worked out which were a couple of these species. They picked two of these species and said, right, let's propagate them. Mm -hmm. And so they propagated them. They wrote a blurb about the plant. And then ahead of the blurb, at the top of the blurb, they wrote, you know, well, mum, you know, you're, it, was, it was really nicely done because it basically said you're a very special species mm -hmm. and we oh. want to keep it in the neighbourhood and yep. grow more of them by putting them out in mm -hmm. our homes sort of yep. thing. And so everyone gave their parent one of these threatened plant species and then they all went out and you think, you know, there was 1,200 or 800, however many there was, yeah. and they all went out into 800 houses. <laughs> and you sort of go, well, if 20 of them were to survive, that's fantastic because you've built the biodiversity. Exactly. But, yes. you know, there was probably 600 maybe even 700 out of the 800 survived. God. And so I kind of like that as a way of putting that thinking. So rather than saying, oh, we're all, we're all screwed because there's so many threatened species and there's, you know, telling the narrative of like, oh, every day there's 22 species going extinct and, you know, basically let's bring the party down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone goes, well, okay, um, oh. I, I guess it's more about chipping away at this kind of massive monster that we've got here. Yeah. Or what, and putting, what they were trying to achieve. Yeah, and putting a positive spin on it. Yeah. Whereas here they were saying, okay, this is a threatened species. We can't address the, 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 the 28 of them that are going on at the moment in our area or the 128 or however many there could be. We go, we're going to pick one or yeah. two and then away we go. And then, just, and then you make a legacy and, and I think – that's, that's where you really start to get this succession thing because you start to build that the first time it's a project. The second time it's a repeat project. The third time it's, it's a habit. 
because that's what we do every Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. fourth time, it's the culture of yeah. Hutchins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just how it is, yeah. Yeah. Which, which means it doesn't, you know, that, that's like that's the road forward. So I kind of like those, those ideas where we create an idea around an issue or a challenge but give it a, give it a real driving, driving energy. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And engage families, grandparents, parents, you, you know, all those sorts of things. And one year it might be might be a plant. The next year it could be something to do with the creeks and the waterways. Another yeah. year it could be a threatened bird mm-hmm. that we have to build habitat for them, or it could be an insect, or you, you know yeah. that that way you you give the challenge of biodiversity uh, an annual face. And then before you know it, it will become ingrained in us that <laughs> the, the five dollar shelf crappy present that we buy, Mum, will be a thing of the past. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like no way. No, yeah, we don't take that anymore. Yeah. 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 Um, So has COVID-19 helped or hindered the gardening community, would you say? Great question. I'd say straight off the bat it's it's helped incredibly. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. there's a difference between promoting and trying to draw people to something or have them, because of disturbance, because of a threat, because of fear, because of a big change... (laughs) And a push, they suddenly go, oh, hang on, our food system isn't as secure as we thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone cleaned out the toilet paper in one afternoon. <laughs> God. Then they went on to paper towel. Mm-hmm. Then they said, oh, hang on, well, um, there's no longer any pasta and there's no longer any rice. And then they go, well, what about a fresh, um, well, we better get seeds and start growing our own. Yeah. Now, yes. you know. Someone could say, oh, you bang on about that all the time. And I go, yeah, sure. But this promoted, engaged and threw the net over a lot of people very quickly. And what I, what I think COVID did was, was built that awareness in a kind of accelerated way because then people were, well, where's this food coming from? And is the food safe? Is it contaminated? Yeah. Oh, look, suddenly, oh, that's Mexican or, or, or Peru, South American Asparagus. Well, why is that? Oh, well, why are they bringing that in? That could have something on it. And well, well, why why are we bringing that in? And, before, and I mean, yeah. we bang on about that all the time, and people don't even look at the labels. They go, oh, "I can get asparagus <laughs> any time of the year." Yeah. No, you can't. You know, so so it really threw open uh, questions around the food system. I guess it would have opened pathways to um, for people like. Okay, and then if this is coming from Mexico and it's not coming anymore, then we can create it ourselves and then we can go out to our local gardeners and, yep. you know, we can help and we know ourselves where it's come from and then there's not that question lingering over us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It made people think, well, what's local? What's in season? How far has it travelled? How's it been handled? All of these questions which have never changed, but it brought people into it. So by doing that, you know, people were walking the streets more, they were talking more, they were noticing what neighbours were doing because they were actually spending time in the neighbourhood. Yeah. And then we were involved, I'm involved with a group called Sustain, the Australian Food Movement, and uh, Sustain ran a uh, COVID gardening survey and we put it out there and got close to 10,000 respondents who wrote 25,000 answers. Oh, my and God. I'm not talking about yes, no answers. Yep. I'm talking really in-depth answers to what gardening meant 
meant during lockdown and COVID. And it is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And what they did was actually get um, a statistics group in that took the data and made it into graphs and charts and and bubble uh, word word salads, whatever, whatever that concept is, where you see the biggest word that's coming out and you know, all of, what, what's that called? Um, oh, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know what you mean though. Anyway, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, they put it into that and, mm-hmm. and, and they use the data, which is what I was saying earlier about data is so powerful. And when we pick simple facts and information, it can tell a story so clearly. So, so COVID has been a, a wonderful inductor of new gardeners. <laughs> and yeah. I think the real challenge now is to make sure that as gardeners and as environmental educators and as people who love growing food, as farmers or as urban farmers or whatever, most important thing we need to do is support these new growers, yeah. these new yeah. gardeners, yeah. so that they don't go, oh, yeah, that's just, oh, yeah, I just did that while, mm-hmm. while there was yeah. lockdown. Just but, a phase. Oh, I think yeah. Back to normal. No, there ain't no normal. The, the old normal ain't coming back. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's the fact that if we've got these new gardeners, then we're here to help them to stay and yes, we're here yeah. to make That's them. It. And it's their personal meaning that can drive them for their gardening, yes. in, whether it be their tulips or their, I don't know, carrots. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> tulips and carrots. <laughs> that was like comparing apples and like pineapples, but yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. loving it. <laughs> All right. So, did you enjoy or hate being isolated during COVID 19? I, I enjoyed it. I. I we, we were still filming, but yeah. we just had to film with slightly different protocols and things and film in closed gardens and not with other people and, yeah. um, you know, just had to be a little more controlled. But I, be, be, by virtue of the fact that I'm engaging with people every day and I don't always spend as much time at home as, as you know, sometimes I would love to, um, yeah. for me, the isolation wasn't a problem. And if anything, uh, I became literally overnight even busier <laughs> yeah. because everything went online. Mm-hmm. And whereas before I may have said, oh, well, sorry, Tasmanian Sustainable Food Festival, I'm in Perth that weekend, and yep. sorry, Canberra, I'm in Perth as well. Uh, this way it was like, well, I'm doing something in Perth online and I can do something for Tassie and Canberra want me to do <laughs> something on the Sunday. So I've been literally doing this sort of mm-hmm. Zoom and FaceTime and online talks and hosting and mm-hmm. panels and things like and, and then and then people are doing them during the week as well from 12 to 1. So that's a whole new time slot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then in the evenings from 6 or 7 until 6 till 7.30 or 7 till 8.30. So, yeah, it's a whole new world. It's a so whole new ball I'm, game. I've been busier. Yeah. Wow. Do you think gardening makes people more happy? Gardening definitely makes people happy. I don't meet angry gardeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've got to say, I've never met one. No. <laughs> yeah. They're loaded up with all sorts of positive elements out of the soil. There, there are papers that sort of say you, you do actually feel better when you are around the soil. Just the, the, the therapeutic aspect of being outside, the actions, the physical actions of gardening, yep. the, the stretching, the bending, the, 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 the digging, the, the, the moving, the walking, the standing up and down, mm-hmm. um, the physical is is one side. Then there's the then there's the hopeful aspect that you plant this and you nurture it, and then you come out each day and have a look at how it's going, and then you watch it transform. I mean, the, the hopeful side of gardening 
<laughs> is is what keeps people going. And, yeah. and and then and then of course there's the social yeah. side, which is all about the sharing yeah. to create a meal yeah. and and say I, I I grew this and then we cooked it and yeah. share it with the neighbors and build community or people stop while you're out gardening on the street yeah. and say hello. And so yeah, I I think these are the reasons why it makes people happy because it gives them purpose. Yeah. I yeah. think gardening definitely has this network and especially in my family, I would say that, you know, my mother grows, um, has a bit of a veggie patch going at times and she, <laughs> I don't know, grows her beans or whatever. I don't pay much attention. Um, uh, we've got to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then my grandparents per se grow tomatoes and all sorts of things and they absolutely love it. And our family has this network of that, I don't know, my grandmother gives my mum this brilliant potato plant yep. that mum then nurtures mm-hmm. and then when they come down that we say, hey, well, this is these are the tomatoes that you gave us that we're now eating. <laughs> and I guess yeah. it gives this sort of sense of, you know, hope and sharing and giving mm-hmm. and community yeah. aspect. Exactly. That's exactly it. And <laughs> I had that infused by my grandfather yep. because it never ceased to amaze me that regardless of whether we dropped in for five minutes or five hours, you'd still walk away with a box full of veggies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And him insisting behind you with a second and third box. Yeah. You know, so those, those kind of things, you know, looking back on it now through the lens of my life to when that was taking place. So when I was a child looking at him and what he's doing, and I realised I have the same innate satisfaction out of being able to give someone something that I've yeah. had a hand in growing or creating or nurturing, however you want to put it. Mm. But yeah, it's there, there's there's another layer there's another layer of of life about gardening that once you get it, I think you get it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've done a bit of background research yeah. on you here, Costa. Oh, here we go, G. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'll put my helmet on. <laughs> um, and we have heard that you have. A logie. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to find it now. Ooh. Oh my wow. Here we go. It's such an ominous drum roll. And for those listening, <laughs> oh here wow. is the logie on our screen. <laughs> there oh, it is. Wow. Oh that is wow. amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It, it was a massive time last year with the nomination. Being nominated meant a lot yeah. in terms of the amplification of everything that we do because a lot of people ask a lot of questions and when they ask the question, I can. all I was doing was basically saying, well, don't look at me, look at what I look at. Yes. And yep. there was my chance to talk about the Tasmanian Youth Climate Leaders Conference, to talk about junior land care and land care, mm-hmm. to talk that, about- That was your opportunity. Opportunity. Yeah, and for Gardening Australia to get the Logie for Best Lifestyle Show in its 30th year was, wow. yeah, you know, that's that's the ducks really yeah, lining up. That's incredible. You know? And then for me, like that, that was as good as it gets. To be nominated for the silver and nominated for the gold as well was like, whoa, you know, that that's 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 massive. But what I what I loved the most about it was that what it did was put gardening and environment and everything we talk about from indigenous caring for country to the the, the importance of seed and food and, and food sovereignty and, and, and food security and biosecurity and caring for our waterways and conserving seed, you know, all of those yeah, things. Yeah. It put that on the national stage yeah. of communication, which yeah. is media 
Yes. And yeah. to have those sorts of conversations and that and what we do right there in the middle, if not at right in the top end of that consciousness, oh, man, that's <laughs> this, this or no this, it was already done. It was already done with the, the month of nominations yeah. and all of that because it dragged everything right up there and said, <laughs> well, we deserve to be up there, you yeah. know, these conversations and looking after the planet and looking after our environment and gardening and looking after our health through our food and all of that deserves to be up there. Mm-hmm. Is what you've stand for, stood for, yeah. has become on the stage and yeah. it's the time to recognise. Yeah, 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 time to show. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. How, yeah. did, how did it feel that night? Like what, what was the feeling? I've, I want to hear it firsthand. It was, uh, it was overwhelming. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was, to, to, to just walk the red carpet and stop it, you know, the print media, the newspapers, then the magazines, then the television, then the, 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 the radio and all this, mm-hmm. it took two hours. Oh, wow. Wow. From the time we got out of the, the, yeah. the car and then wave to the people and shake hands and say hello, it took two hours for us to walk through there because everyone wanted to ask questions, yet that, that, that's the most valuable two hours to be able to putting, put that out there for every nursery person, for every bromeliad lover, for every land carry, yeah. you know, that, that people were asking these questions. So I, I was like, yeah, it was a high. It was, it was an amazing high, but I, I, I wanted to be sure that I, I was taking it all in at every moment. And, yeah. you know, when, when, they, when they announced Gardening Australia, like we were all just sitting there at the table and, and, and it was just, I just remember everyone, <laughs> everyone just went <laughs> and jumped up in the air and then there we were all up yeah. on the stage. And mm-hmm. I, it was kind of interesting because I was watching it and I was part of it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where it gets yeah. so surreal because it's like, this is happening, looking out on that room with all these people and you just go and we're there, you know, yeah. like we got, the show got recognised for all the people that have been on it and all the people that have worked on it, not just been on it in segments, you know, all of that yeah. stuff yeah. and yeah, that's just people. going through your head and then they say, you've got 30 seconds to say something. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know you just got to step up yeah. and, um, yeah, they, they, and, and then when the, the, the most popular presenter and they're reading out all these names of these big names, you know, big television names, you know, yep. Carrie Bickmore and <laughs> Waleed Ali and, and you, you know, Amanda mm. Keller and, mm. and Tom Gleeson and all these names and then, and then they go, Costa Georgiatis and <laughs> you're sitting there at our table and you see your noggin up there on the screen and you're just like, oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I just, you know, that, that, was, that was even more sublime because I remember I was just sitting there yep. and they got a camera on mm. you from yeah. Like say where you guys yeah, are looking yeah. over your shoulders yeah. at me. And so I was just <laughs> sitting there and it was like, you know, I was happy as we'd oh, already yeah. won the gold, the, the Logie for the show. And then they said, and the winner is, and I just remember them then go, course. And I just went, I almost <laughs> fell off the back of my chair. And wow. Everyone on either side grabbed me and I was just, it, it, it all went into this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would, would have just turned into that blur. Yeah, yeah. Just that. Oh, what happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, and then I just moved through, and I was looking at all these tables of all these celebrities, and and I'm walking through <laughs> them, and they're going, "Hello, Costa." <laughs> 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 
And I remember I got all the way through the crowd. It was yeah. a bit of a walk. Mm-hmm. And I got up on the stage and I looked out and there's lights and people and tables as far as you can see. And then it kind of went quiet yeah. and then it went <laughs> and I went out of the into the <laughs> yeah. whoa. And, yeah. then, and then I had to yeah. say something. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. moment, but so special for... Yeah. for everything that we do. Mm-hmm. No, it's brilliant. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So do you think gardening is underrated? Oh, de- <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I can't believe, yeah, we're like, we're like saying this to an extreme gardening advocate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Look, well, I, I suppose, look, I say definitely in the sense that it's, it's only underrated until you get a dose. Yeah. Once we get the gardening juice in you, yeah. then you're hooked yeah. and you're addicted and and that hook, that hook could be with birds. Mm-hmm. It could be with, you know, indoor plants, or it could be with growing your own food, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, flowers, or it could be insects and pollinators and, mm-hmm. you know, setting up habitat for native bees. So, so there's, there's so many ways that someone's rating of it can go through the roof. I think there's that such a stigma of yeah. it, actually, yes. in of young people, especially, I'm going to say, in that in, from our age all the way up until, I don't know, maybe your 40s or 30s, is that everyone's like, oh, gardening, oh, that's for old people or something. Yeah. But <laughs> I have to admit myself that I probably fall into that category until I get out in the garden yeah. mm-hmm. and start to realise, oh, wow, this is really what it's like. And yeah, well, you're spot on. And that was... That was basically my mission from the time I started on SBS with Costa's Garden Odyssey, you know, and to when I came to the ABC, I said, I want to just bring in young people and families and really engage that side of it. Yeah. And that's the bit that I love. That's yeah. why I, I'm, I'm Costa the Garden on Get Grubby TV because I'm talking exactly the same language to the children, but it's also going straight to the parents and the grandparents. And there's just this mix master. There's this, this washing machine of turning everyone in there. And and, you know, to young people, I love it because, you know, getting they're, they're, they're getting so off on indoor plants, right? And I go, yeah, indoor plants, not as easy as they look. Give it a go. But have you started looking for native orchids? You want to try and get addicted to something, you go out and start searching for them in the bush and see <laughs> what happens, so- you know, or get into, get into growing food or you know, there's so many different ways or, or, or like pollinator week is coming up this week. It was bird week last week. Tell me, give me an angle and I'll, I'll put a hook in you. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to assume what you're saying is if I was to get into gardening here, you would find what I'm into. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And then that will eventually get me hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a one-way revolving door. Gotcha. There's no going back. <laughs> There's no exit. It's only an entry. No. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Costa. <laughs> Pleasure. You. Have a great afternoon and um, do it for Pythagoras. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Hutchins Environmental Podcast with us today. If you'd like to listen to more Hutchins podcasts, please go to hutchins.taz.edu.au forward slash podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hutchins Podcast.